you know, I knew one of these days, me being a hard-headed, loud-mouthed, argumentative SOB would come back and bite me in the ass. Looks like that happened. New Command This, coming up next. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Phil, solo, rolling for Dolo in the drop coop. Word to LL Cool J. Uh, Steve and Dev couldn't make it tonight, so here I am. Wanted to give you your weekly dose of your favorite bald-headed, loud-mouthed, overly egotistical at sometimes commentator from Command This. Um, today, I want to talk a little bit about trades, and uh, we're going to keep it Pretty serious, pretty topical. I'm just going to pose some questions and some thoughts to you. So, Deron Payne, he is the hot topic of conversation when it comes to trades. Um, old Deron seems to really want a new contract extension or to be out. There's rumors of discord with Jack Del Rio that got shot down. There's rumors he left Benning Camp. He shot that down. So our uh, crack local media just seems to be missing on all accounts here. But that also leaves us uh, a little bit of a question mark. What exactly does he want us to do? And what exactly should the team do? Now, right now, as of this moment, Ron Payne's trade value, never higher. Um, he doesn't fill up a stat sheet. He did have 15 quarterback hits last year. But he's sneaky down low, one of the best players on our defense, uh, even if the numbers don't necessarily explode off of a stat page at you. Um, you know, he's very athletic for a guy his size, very athletic. You know, runs down running backs from behind, things like that. Um Incredible motor, hustles hard, um, and seems to communicate well with John Allen. I mean, they do a pretty good job stuff in the middle. Um, he was part of that really, really strong run defense we've had uh, when everybody's healthy. He's a big part of that. Now, at the same time, do you give him the monster contract? We signed a win-win with Terry, you know? It was a win-win. Terry probably got about 60% of that deal. The team got about 40%. And realistically, that's how you keep your guys happy. Win-win. Nobody feels like they totally won the trade, but you give the guy a little bit more. You know, that's what you optimally want. Same thing with John Allen. John Allen got signed to a tremendous deal for him and for the team. Deron Payne wants that. Now, we'll see if Deron gets that. But keep in mind that right now, Deron's trade value is as high as it's going to be. The team loses leverage, and the team loses its current position to get the maximum value for him as the season goes on. You know, it's been a long time since we've had players 
that we can look at and say, they're really good. But we could, we could get by without them if we traded them and get something for them. We did draft uh, Fedarian Mathis in the second round. And Mathis, I think, was drafted to be one of two things. Neither of which are totally in his control. Um, he was either going to be the replacement for Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis as part of the rotation. Or he's going to be groomed to be the uh, the heir apparent to Deron Payne's spot on the roster as the starting defensive tackle next to John Allen. Um, either way, you have that contingency plan in place if you need it. And if you don't, now you have what we hope to be significant depth. Just keep in mind that uh, it would be nice to say that we traded away a good player and got a lot in return, especially because you trade away for picks, well, now you're set for the next couple of years. You get more quality rookies. I don't know exactly what his trade value would be. But if you can fetch, you know, a couple picks in the, you know, upper rounds, a couple seconds, a couple thirds in there, you know, maybe you can get a first for him. I don't know too many defensive tackles who are netting first-round picks that aren't named Aaron Donald. But who knows? Aaron Donald's kind of brought back defensive tackle as a sexy position. You know, it used to be the edge rusher. Now it's the interior guy. So as a guy who played interior on the defensive line, I'm always happy to see that. But at the same time, um, I don't know. A guy who's got that much talent, and he's going into a contract year, I mean, he could ball out. So... I'd like for us to find a way to keep him, but at the same time, if we have him out there saying, hey, we'll entertain offers, and someone gives you something you can't pass up, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Um, another guy, as we get into the season, keep an eye on as potential trade bait, is Taylor Heineke. Now, I know half the fan base just cracked open a cold one in celebration. The other half want to jump through the screens and strangle me right now. How dare you say that? Heineke! Um, let's be real. He's a backup quarterback. How good of a backup quarterback he is, well, that's um, that can be debated. I think he's a good backup. I don't even think he's the best backup in the league, but he's a good backup. He knows the system, yada, yada, yada. We know the arguments. But when the season progresses and some bubble playoff team loses their starting quarterback, you know, let's say, oh, I don't know, Russ goes down in Denver or, you know, something like that. And a team doesn't have a backup that they feel can carry them to the playoffs in a, in a sprint to finish the last half of the season. Well, that's where Taylor Heineke would come into play. Taylor Heineke could be that guy. I mean, you know, with, you know, all of his magic that he has uh, at, at certain points of the game, game's close. You know, that's when his intangibles do come into play. Unfortunately, don't always come into play rest of the game. But it's kind of guy that if you're a bubble playoff team and your starting quarterback goes down, 
might be worth looking at as uh, somebody that you can trade. So if you see Taylor Heineke get traded in midseason, I think that the commanders could really raise a little hell by, by getting more than what his real market value is because of the situation. Something to keep an eye on. Because, let's face it, as I say that phrase once again, we drafted Sam Howell not to be a third rounder. Taylor Heineke, this is the last year of his contract. I don't think that he's getting re-signed here. So if a team is in need of a stretch run quarterback, or if a team feels very uncomfortable with their current backup situation, you might be able to trade away Taylor Heineke and get something for him. So, again, things to keep an eye on as the season progresses. Now, moving on from trades, um, Dan Snyder has agreed to testify before Congress. What do you want me to say? Do you think he's going to get up there and he's going to say something we don't expect from him? Do you think he's going to get up, get up there and say, it was all me? No, he's not. What he may do is, you know, he knows that something's going to go down. Maybe it won't. But don't be surprised if uh, certain names that we've heard bantied about um, get brought up. Looking at you, Bruce Allen. Looking at you. Because old Danny boy, those private investigators apparently got some dirt. That's how those emails got leaked, people. When they talked about uh, Dan having a team of private investigators, and everybody was shocked. I said, well, how else do you think Dan got those emails about Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden, you know, trading racial slurs and all those other things between each other. Where do you think that came from? Th those came from the private investigators. We knew that this was happening. Plus, if you had the money and someone's accusing you of something that could cost you tons of money in your lifetime, and I'm talking about money we don't even comprehend as common folk, you would hire private investigators too to dig up as much as you can on anyone else that you can implicate so that people see that, oh, this was more than just me or more than just him. It was all these other guys, right? Divvy up the blame, divide and conquer. We know this is going to be Dan's strategy. And I think that it will work at least to an extent. I don't think that there's going to be anything that comes out of these congressional hearings that's going to cause Dan to sell the team. Now, I know some people believe that Dan selling the team will be an automatic fix. Be careful what you wish for, though, because this is a team that's finally been turned. The ship's turning. It's a big ship. It takes a long time to turn. Uh, but it's finally turning into a respectable situation. We have a respectable front office. We have a respectable coaching staff. You know, whatever you think of their politics. Um, but as far as their ability to manage in the front office, as far as their ability to coach, um, all the guys seem to be well-respected in the league. 
No one looks at this and goes, that's a joke. It's not Jim Zorn running this franchise. And it's definitely not Jay Gruden either. But um, nonetheless, you don't want a new owner who comes in and says, we're going to change everything to do it my way. And new owners like to do that. And unfortunately, when they do that, you may undo well, we're going into a third year of progress of trying to create a complete organizational turnaround. So let's take things as they come. If Dan has to sell the team, Dan has to sell the team. Let's hope that you get an owner who understands what's been happening and lets that ship continue to turn at the pace instead of lurching it in a different direction and undoing progress. Because I do worry about that. Um, but nonetheless, nothing's going to come out of this congressional investigation that we really we really don't know. There hasn't been that much in the way of things that we haven't already heard. Hints, allegations, things unsaid, things that were said, things that were in the aid. Um... And I don't expect that to continue with Dan testifying. Although I think Dan testifying is a good thing for Dan if, if Dan is forthright about the things he could be forthright about. And if there isn't some blazing hot smoking gun that we haven't found yet, but that someone has. But last uh, to wrap up today's podcast is um, Baker Mayfield traded to the Panthers. That Sam Darnold experiment didn't last too long, now did it? <laughs> I think old Matt Rule decided that, you know, he's on the hot seat and uh, it's time for him to make or break it. And he can't do it with Sam Darnold. So they went and got Baker Mayfield, which is probably about as good as it was going to get for them. This was a smart move for the Browns, and I'll tell you why. If Deshaun Watson does play this year, you don't want that controversy. Now, everybody says, well, Deshaun's an, an easy number one over Baker, and that may be so, but Baker can play well. Let's say the Browns start off hot, and let's say Deshaun gets an, an eight-game suspension. Browns are 6-2 under Baker Mayfield. Do you run with Deshaun now, or do you run with the hot hand at Baker Mayfield at the time? You don't want to create those kinds of divisions within your locker room, within your fan base. You don't want to do that. So I think that the Browns are smart. They declared that whenever he plays, Deshaun Watson is QB1. End of story. Um, the Panthers, I think, by making this trade, declared that Baker Mayfield for them is QB1. End of story. It's kind of like when Washington traded to get Carson Wentz. He is QB1. End of story. There is no, no debate about it. And I think that solidifying who is the top dog at the most important position on the field is paramount. You have to have that. You didn't have to have that in decades past, but in the modern NFL, you have to have that. So, 
Drop your comments below. Am I right? Am I wrong? Did I make you think? Because that's the most important thing that I go for. Right or wrong? Agree or disagree? I just want you to think. Anyway, once again, this is Phil rolling solo for Command This. And as always, peace and hail.